So, Phil, what is fantasy to you? Oh, man. Fantasy for me represents unlimited storytelling in creative settings and sort of my ultimate escape from harsh reality. Because reading fantasy oftentimes is a, it reminds me of childhood. It reminds me of creativity and freedom. Yeah, there's a lot to it for me. Yeah, there's a lot there. There's always been something about fantasy, something compelling, interesting, and dare I even say, a little enchanting. The origin of fantasy could be traced all the way back to what is considered to be the oldest surviving great work of literature, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which contains several elements of modern fantasy. Uh, Maybe it was something more modern, perhaps some of the fantastical elements in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, or even more recent, maybe it was the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien that truly solidified our ideas of what fantasy was, or maybe even the lesser-known writer, George MacDonald, who wrote The Princess and the Goblin in 1872. No matter where it came from, what defines it, or what is popular, one thing is sure in my mind. Fantasy, to me, will always be wizards, dragons, heroes, and just a whole lot of fun. similar feelings about all of this, Adam. Do you? I do. Well, that's what we get to do today. Wizards, dragons, heroes, and a whole lot of fun? A whole lot of fun. Well, tone down the fun a bit. Okay. I, I listened to the last episode. You had just a little bit too much fun there. I was uh, very uh, fun. Hello, I am Adam Ganong. And I'm Philip Hall. And you are listening to The Rules. The Rules is a podcast in which Adam and I brainstorm, write, and discuss a story, which we then present in the episode. And the stories we write are based on a set of rules which we must follow. Adam, what are the rules this week? So, fantasy seems to be where we really hit our stride some of the times. I don't know what it is. I think maybe we've just steeped ourselves enough in it over the course of our lives. Something about fantasy just seems to be... Fantasy is our weapon of choice. We usually work our best in fantasy, I've found. This week, here are the rules. So we must write in a fantasy scenario... In case, in case you guys hadn't already guessed that, gotta write fantasy this week. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. You probably now you're now you understand my line. Yeah, of we're on the same page. Yeah. On the same page. On the same page. Of the spell book. So fantasy scenario number two: We must write about an unconventional hero. Um, I'm trying to think of unconventional heroes, but my, we'll get into that. My my thought of unconventional hero was a goblin. A goblin's the hero. You stole that from like me. That. I, probably. I brought that up like. Three weeks ago. Okay. Or a troll that's a hero, mm-hmm. or maybe even a dragon that's a hero. Which brings oh. me to our next rule. Rule number three, there must be a dragon. What kind of dragon? Any dragon. Any dragon you want. Should we throw a monkey wrench in here? If you want, you we can monkey wrench it up. Let's. Uh, there must be a monkey wrench. There must be a monkey wrench. <laughs> we were thinking it. So the monkey wrench I'm going to throw in at him is that something must be too hot. Something must be too hot. Okay. It it doesn't matter whether it's a person, an object. And the reason I bring this up is because we're in the third level of this apartment building and I'm so friggin' hot right now. The boss is on the fourth level if we can clear this one. (laughs) (laughs) Something must be too hot. It's super funny because I'm just imagining this dragon showing off his girlfriend and someone saying, man, she's wet here, Link. (laughs) 
She's way too hot for you. The dragon's like, whatever, Bartholomew. I've got a great personality. Before we jump into brainstorming, I'm just going to read these out again so they're fresh. Cool. So, we must write in a fantasy scenario. We must write about an unconventional hero. There must be a dragon, and something must be too hot. Adam, give me your ideas. First thing I'm making a connection between, I already said it, but an actual connection Dragon and hot, so dragons often breathe fire. Mm. Um, maybe the dragon, maybe the dragon's working in a blacksmith shop, so he's heating up. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. We- making weapons out of dragon fire, like the dragon fire is the forge. Comical, more comical situation. Dragon works in a kitchen, <laughs> so everything funny. is cooked over dragon fire. Or he works part time at campsites. <laughs> he's making s'mores for <laughs> elves and dwarves. I was thinking of sort of not necessarily opposite what you're doing, but I went to a very serious kind of storyline first. Okay. Where have you seen the Da Vinci Code? Yeah. I've actually not seen it, but I have an idea of what it's like. Man, what a tease. <laughs> I've also read it. <laughs> really? Yeah. So imagine a fantasy city, Adam, yep. that is plagued by... Not global warming, but city-wide warming. Okay. And they have no idea what the cause is. And this one scribe from the city library must go through the city discovering what it is that's causing it to be so hot. Okay, yep. And the only clue he's found is on some doors deep in the sewers is a dragon. Symbol? Symbol that is burning red hot to the touch. Interesting. And so... The unconventional hero part of it is that he's a scribe, so often he wouldn't be considered the hero. Cool. Exactly. I like that. That's all I have so far. <laughs> so it could be a conspiracy. So what's behind, maybe is it the symbols or is there something behind the door? Does he open the door and there's dragon saunas? What I imagine is, is that there's many doors and these passageways below the city are for... The Dragon Underground Railroad. <laughs> maybe so. I'm I'm working on that story idea. What's a what's a serious? I'm gonna think of a serious story idea here. You think serious? I'll think silly because we we have to swap. Okay, so we've got an unconventional hero. I kind of like the idea of the unconventional hero being the dragon. So it could be something along the lines of there is the town hero, this knight kind of guy who is often defending them. Somehow he gets kidnapped, and the only person who can save him is the dragon. So the dragon goes off on this adventure, but the dragon's been kind of a fat cat its whole life. It's never really needed to leave the boundaries of this realm. And now it's going on an adventure of its own and it vastly misunderestimates the the outside world. So it assumes it's a dragon, so it's going to be safe in a volcano or something. So it's descending into the depths of this volcano and quickly realizes that it is very much underprepared for this quest. Oh, that's good. It has to go buy dragon sunscreen. Oh, It thinks because it breathes fire and it can stand a lot of heat that it can go into molten lava. And it's like, oh my word, it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't don't even worry. But I've been on a ton of quests before, and then it's skin sizzling and bubbling. You look a little burnt over there, dragon. No, 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 no. Leave me alone. Um, I have an idea. Okay, lay it on me. My unconventional hero is not a man wearing the armor, but the armor itself. Interesting. So imagine that. Some big buffoon, not very confident guy is wearing this armor and it's got a little face on his chest and it tells him what to do the whole time. <laughs> oh, no. And it's like, 
come on, we got to get in there and slay the dragon. And the big guy's like, well, I don't know if I want to. And he's like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Is the armor a bully as well? Yeah, the armor's a bully, unconventional hero. Come on, man, you've been putting on weight. I know because I can feel your big old tummy pressing against me inside there. (laughs) That's my unconventional He strips off the armor and goes to fight the dragon by himself. And the armor just says... You gotta do like if you want to get something done, you gotta do it yourself. And then just gets up and runs by him. It fights the dragon on its own. He's lying there, knocked out in his underwear. That's a great idea. Do you wear underwear when you're wearing armor? What do you wear underneath armor? I think underwear fairly modern. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of cloth because I can only imagine that metal didn't feel great directly against your skin. Chafee, um, Sir Chafee, it's the knight's name for sure. <laughs> So the unconventional hero maybe could be something weird, like let's say a gambler. And he goes to fight the dragon, but he comes in and rather than challenging the dragon to a fight or something, he just says, dragon, I challenge you to a game of poker. Because we all know dragons are notorious gamblers. Of course. (laughs) And the, the dragon says, you're on. And then they play a game of cards and it's just an intense card game between the two. And it's really heating up because of the stress. So they're you know, stripping down because it's so hot. The dragon's pulling off some scales and sweating. This is a gross image. Picturing your mind what uh, a big Zeppelin looks like. You know how it's the balloon on top? Oh, I was imagining like really fat members of Led Zeppelin. Oh, come on, please. <laughs> come with me on this adventure. I'm, okay, I'm coming. I'm, I'm right behind you. You're holding you. back. You're Take holding me. back. Take me away. So... You know what a Zeppelin looks like? Oh, yeah. And it's got the cargo on the bottom? Yep. Imagine the same premise, but for a dragon. Dragon, dragon flies on the top. Okay. With uh, uh, straps around it that hold a compartment on the bottom. Yeah. It is a fantasy way of air flight. Yeah. Air travel. I like it. So, the unconventional hero is the captain of that dragon ship. And what happens is... They fly too close to the sun. What? How do they get that, that far? No, that's a saying. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, fair enough. I understand now. Fair enough. I guess that doesn't go without saying. I don't like that one now. Well, here's something I was thinking. You could go with the trope. Um, if a if a dragon breathes fire, the fire is boiling away in its tummy. Oh. And that thing's strapped right to its stomach. So that's true. <laughs> the captain's up there. Doing his messages. Um, no one panic. Seems to be some difficulties because they hadn't anticipated how hot it was going to be in there and everyone's sweating or and he's just playing they, it off. Usually they get the dragon to eat an all green meal before it goes and it keeps it pretty cool the whole time. But they gave it like a cow and it's just it's bubbling up hot in the belly and everyone's like, oh, it's so hot in here. And the captain's turned on the air conditioning, which is just opening the front windows. So everyone's getting blown around. And he's the hero because, I don't know, <laughs> something something has to happen to turn him into a hero. And at this point, there's nothing. The unconventional hero is an evil wizard that's flying. And he casts a nice spell so that everyone can cool down. And he just goes... Oh, I'm I'm evil, but this is evil evil even by my standards. A flight like this with such heats. Oh. What do you got for me? Well, I just thought of the idea of being too hot. So when you're trying to work and you're in a really hot situation, like it's just humid and heavy, and you're trying to think even a little bit, it becomes really difficult. Yeah. And I'm experiencing that right now a little bit. Yep. To be honest. But 
Imagine two people are dueling, right? Okay. Sword to sword, having a duel. We'll go with the volcano again. By the edge of a volcano. Mm. And it's so hot. They're wearing armor. They've each taken their helmet off. They're swinging slow. And they're like, oh, I'm going to best you. I'm going to get you. Can we take five minutes? I can't deal with the heat. (laughs) And they're both sitting there just like, why the volcano, man? (laughs) Did you you plan this? I'll be honest. I really did not plan ahead for this. <laughs> I read it in a, I, I read a BuzzFeed article. It said top 10 places to fight your nemesis. Seemed good. <laughs> Didn't vet it. Or just honestly, like writing the situation where a hero must navigate whatever problem, whatever conflict they're in. while being extremely hot just makes for a funny thing because all they'd be like is like, oh, it's so hot fanning themselves i like that idea and i like the idea that they sit down and they're just having a discussion and then a gnome or something just cracks the bad guy over the head with the rock and just is like i did it i killed him and then he's the hero yeah that would be the unconventional hero okay so i think i know the story i want to write now it's going to go way back to one of the first ideas i had dragon in the kitchen so, Phil, I'm about to introduce you to Murgon. So, Murgon is a line cook in this high fluting fantasy restaurant where all of the most important people in the city come. And if you've got all the most important people, that means... He's here. He is definitely here. Oh my gosh, the rumors were true. Garambal is here. Burgon felt the blood drain from his face, but he kept his eyes down on the onion he was very carefully cutting into the thinnest strips possible. He was using an enchanted knife, true, but concentration was still needed. I can't believe it was true, rumbled the large dragon beside Murgon. Why here, of all places? I guess wizards like fine dining? I know, what are we gonna do, Fur? The dragon shrugged his shoulders and spouted another jet of flames into the pan in front of him. The heat wafted over Murgon, reminding him of the enchanted campfire his crazy wizard uncle had once tried to make Murgon for his sixth birthday, which resulted in a loss of eyebrows for all people involved. Was the kitchen always this hot? Why'd they even put him next to a dragon? It was way too hot for a human to stand next to open dragon flame. Murgon turned and watched as the server who had noticed the evil wizard in the restaurant talked quietly but quickly with the chef. He could only make out a few of their words. Yes, I know it exactly. He said three scallops, a pound of fresh eel grass, a slice of unicorn flank. He turned his back and Murgon couldn't hear anymore. Murgon looked back at his onions and kept cutting. I wonder what he's going to order, murmured Fur. Probably whatever he can. Not like the front of house is going to make an evil wizard pay. I wonder how well he tips. His tips are probably not killing everybody. You two, back to work, shouted the head chef, throwing a wooden spoon in their direction. Murgon hadn't had this job for very long. He was still near the bottom of the barrel, just a measly line cook who had to prep food and wasn't allowed to do any real cooking. Not because he wasn't qualified though, 
When he was younger, he'd watch for hours as his father, who was a very accomplished chef back in Cartonia, tired over elaborate meals. Here though, even with his vast culinary background, Murgon was still considered a nobody. We could do something about him, Fur. He's sitting right out there, Murgon said quietly. No, honestly, just keep your head down and keep cutting. We're underlings in a kitchen, not knights in shining armor. Murgon frowned and kept cutting. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see a bulk of the chefs all working on the same dish, very carefully searing unicorn flank, husking golden corn, blanching eelgrass. That was the wizard's meal. Murgon feigned throwing out some scraps from the onions so he could walk over. He glanced at the spice rack and memories flooded back to him. Remember, Murgon, never put essence of hergal in a flank of unicorn. It is a deadly combination for most species, he remembered his father once telling him. Murgon eyed the essence of hergal, that little blue bottle with those wonderful green flakes just sitting there, just waiting, begging to be made toxic. The chef who was basting the flank turned. Murgal grabbed the spices and shook some onto the flank of Unicorn. He walked back to his station. Where were you? Why are you sweating so much? Fur asked. It's hot, Murgon croaked, and it was. But his sudden foray into attempted assassination hadn't helped the volume of sweat he was producing. It was about half an hour later that the head chef got the news. What? He hissed. Murgon turned to see the chef's confused face, unsure of whether to scream at the fact that the kitchen had somehow just killed a customer, or jump for joy at the fact that an evil wizard had just fallen dead. I will find who is responsible, the chef said, and stormed away to start questioning other cooks. I wonder what that was about, said Fur. I think I just became a hero, said Murgon. He looked back down and numbly continued to cut his onions. Terrific story. Thank you. Once again, we have we've never done kitchen stories yet. Not on the show. I've definitely done a fantasy kitchen before. I can't believe we haven't used that as a setting. However, um, that aside, really good job describing that. I really felt hot listening to it. Did you? Okay, that's good. I probably because I put it in too many times. I felt like I was flogging at times. Look, look how hot this kitchen is. I definitely followed that rule. Yeah, I, in, in my particular story, I, I intend to only barely use the hot thing. Okay, interesting. Do you want to hear about my story? I do want to hear about your story. So, what I came up with was, when a hero's done a quest, most likely he, he or she has been on the road for far too long. They've sweated in their armor, they stink, and they decide to get everything clean to get the rust shined off their uh, sword. Yeah. And uh, go to the inn for a, you know, a luxurious bath. And that is where my story begins. Clive had picked the wrong day to get his suit of armor boiled and shined. He cursed his luck, and probably a little too loud. A group of angry-looking citizens stared at him expectantly. Everyone knew who Clyde was, and a warrior should never curse when confronted with a challenge. He pushed onward, hopefully in time to get his armor, 
and hopefully in time to stop the dragon from destroying the town. Are you gonna do anything about that? Clyth heard a woman yell out. I'm working on it. Thanks for the concern, he yelled back, doing his utmost to remain calm and courteous. Where's your get up? The woman yelled. Where's your get up? Clyth replied mockingly. Clyth pressed on down the street. Ahead, on the corner, he saw an old man lighting the lampposts. You should get inside, old timer. There's a dragon, Clyth said while stopping to catch his breath. The lamplighter looked the warrior up and down, from bare feet to unshaven face. Maybe you ought to get in yourself, kiddo, the man replied, chuckling. Why is no one taking me seriously? Is this all I am? A walking suit of armor? A walking bathrobe, more like, the man replied, while flawlessly lighting the lamp and closing the glass pane with his long pike-like rod. Clyth swore as again the dragon flew overhead. He began to run, knowing the armory was only around the bend. You had better get inside, he yelled over his shoulder, but the man continued walking slowly down the street towards the next lamp. People in this town are so stubborn, Clyth said to himself. Please tell me my armor is ready, Clyth said breathlessly as he flew into the armory. The man behind the counter smiled widely and pointed to a rack to the side of the store. It just came out of the steamer. We haven't given it its shine yet, but... That's fine, there's an emergency and I have to go. Sir, you aren't going to want to. Before the shop owner could finish, Clyth grabbed the breastplate and cried out in pain. You see, it's too hot, the man said. Clyth gritted his teeth in pain. And my sword? Still boiling. Without replying, Clyth pivoted and leapt down into the armory. He was going to have to fight this dragon one way or another, and it was looking like the only available way was barefoot and in a bathrobe. He sighed and looked back into the sky for the beast. There was no sign of a dragon, only a long black plume of smoke that rose from the now burning tavern across town. Where are you? Clyde said to himself and began running down the street again. No luck with the armor then, a voice said. Clyde looked up to see the lamplighter on top of a building across from the armory. Didn't I tell you to go inside? It's not safe out here, let alone up there, Clyde yelled up. The old man smiled back and as if summoned, the dragon flew directly over his head. The lamplighter reached down with his pole and swatted at the huge dragon, poking a flame into its armpit with expert precision. The dragon cried out in pain and flew up high above the town. It looked back at the lamplighter and cried out before sweeping down again for a second time. Watch out! Clyde yelled while ducking behind a barrel. The man sidestepped on the roof, narrowly avoiding a jet of flame. He pulled back his rod and swatted the dragon on the tail and yelled out in a firm voice, Get out of here, you dumb lizard! The dragon cried out in pain and flew off towards the mountains. Clyth looked up at the man, bewildered. What, you never seen a dragon before? The lamplighter said. So I've got to say, the suit of armor being too hot was surprising yet inevitable. I should have seen it when they first said that the suit was getting boiled. And I noticed when you said that the suit was getting boiled that that was kind of an odd way to clean it, but it did make sense. And then as soon as he went into the armory and said, is my suit of armor ready? And they said, yeah, it's right over there. I realized how you were gonna use that prompt yep. of the suit of armor being too hot. Adam, I love writing fantasy stories with you. Do you? 
Yeah, it's so much fun. It is a lot of fun. We always seem, like I said earlier, we always seem to hit our stride doing fantasy. There's literally another podcast that does this already, but we could stick to writing only fantasy. <laughs> yeah, but does it, it makes it makes it less challenging. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying we could, and it would be fun. I like that we mix it up a lot, but whenever we come back to fantasy, it feels like like we're fitting into this groove that we're ready, ready to write in. So I would love to talk a little bit about your story. Okay. So I'll talk first about the prompts. Once again, here's sort of how the rules goes for us most times. We write fairly similar stories that are unique in certain portions, or we go in completely different directions. Yeah, it's true. This is one of those great moments where we've gone in very different directions. Yeah. But you could imagine both of these stories happening in the same world. Yeah. I like that. That said, you really satisfied the the four rules that we came up with. Obviously, it was a fantasy scenario. Your unconventional hero. I don't even know if you could call that a hero. They just poisoned somebody. <laughs> but he was a dark wizard. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He was a dark wizard. And no one else wanted to deal with the problem. And no doubt that dark wizard has done some dark deeds. You, so You don't even know the dark deeds. So maybe done. poisoning was very appropriate. Maybe. Maybe so. That and again, uh, the dragon. I love how you incorporated the dragon. Yeah. Because there's so many ways to bring a dragon into a story and I chose the most cliched way and you chose probably one of the most creative ways you could have. And then on the flip side, my feeling in my brain is it's a very cliched Adam way to do it. Exactly. You have a very interesting signature when it comes to fantasy story writing, which is... What do people do for normal jobs? Like... What does the workaday guy do? These are the people of your neighborhood. Yeah. Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. I love that stuff, man. It's true. Oh, yeah. And of course, uh, there must be something too hot. You took that prompt in stride. It's I think I did that because halfway through, I kind of realized that I wasn't putting very much emphasis and it could easily, someone could easily read the story and say, oh, you didn't use that prompt <laughs> at all. And then I just layered it on way too thick. No, it was really good because it really put me in that situation. I've been, I used to work in a hot, hot kitchen. Okay. And when it's, when it's July 2nd and you're working in the kitchen sweating, it is all you can think about some of the time. And that, that scene of like wiping your, the sweat off your forehead while you're cutting onions and you're crying in the back, been there, done that. It's awful. Good job describing it. <laughs> I'm glad I described it because well I've never been in that situation. Oh, man. I just... There's one scene in Goodfellas where they walk through a kitchen. I just use that for inspiration. <laughs> it's so short. <laughs> one two-minute scene. <laughs> that's everything I know about kitchens. See, I used uh, Julia and Julia. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's a film. Okay. I probably got the title wrong. Well, to all those line cooks out there and all those people sweating in the back of kitchens... My heart goes out to you. This episode is for you. Adam wrote that story for you. If you're listening and you're a line cook, let us know. Tweet to us. We tweet <laughs> at the rules podcast. Good plug. Okay. So Adam, not only did you use the prompts really well, in my opinion, you gave me a beautiful idea for what could come next. Okay. Because you set it up so that this unconventional hero had more story to come. Yep. Whereas mine might not have done that. Uh, for example, you leave it just so that you didn't actually say who died. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even so notice that. So immediately I expected that he thinks that he's being a hero and he actually killed like someone. For example, imagine that the dark wizard 
has a, t- a food taster who's just so you know he's a nice guy and he didn't have to die <laughs> oh man that turned really dark that's a that was a huge oversight on my part it doesn't have to be dark all i'm saying is the unconventional hero might discover that he's, he's made an unconventional grave. villain he's an unconventional super villain. dark oh come on it's not that dark no yeah, he becomes the dark wizard in the end. Oh. One other thing, Adam. When you did that father's voice coming to the character, I was blown away. <laughs> Were you? Well, I mean, I've I've not been writing that long, and that little tool just <laughs> made me so happy. <laughs> what, what was it? What was the line? <laughs> Remember, Mergon. Never put essence of Hurigal in a flank of unicorn. It is a deadly combination for most species. Remember Mergon. That's what I imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I wrote it. Never put essence of Hurigal into the flank of a unicorn. So on the topic of tools of the trade, I'm going to say this. If I'd had more time to write this story, I would have introduced that concept a completely different way. Okay. So for this, the way I would have written it if I had more time is you get introduced to the character when he's getting introduced to the kitchen. So the head chef is showing him around, being real mean to him, saying, you're a piece of crap, you don't know anything. And meanwhile, you've got internal dialogue of the character where he's saying all these things he knows in the kitchen that they probably don't even realize because they're not as good as him. And then one of the things he says to himself is he says, oh, I see that they've got those green flakes there. I know for a fact that if you put those onto a flank of unicorn that can kill somebody, that's super dangerous. It's just passing dialogue. It doesn't matter. But then the wizard comes in and then suddenly this piece of information the character has is important. And this is a small thing, but that would explain why he got placed next to a fire breathing dragon because the boss is just super mean to him. Exactly. And I kind of tried to imply that with him, like getting a spoon thrown at him and all this stuff. Yes. So subconsciously, there's that idea going on, but it wasn't expressly said. Now, talking about writing tools. I really like some of the writing tools that you used. For example, how you made the character simultaneously feel kind of dislikable but likable. So he felt dislikable because all of the characters around him didn't like him. They all seemed to think he was incompetent. But his internal (laughs) dialogue made him feel competent because you immediately feel attached to someone when you can see inside their head. Yep. So it was a good thing where he felt maybe like an anti-hero or maybe just kind of like a jerk. I think it just wasn't his day. Maybe, yeah. He's super confident, which makes him sort of a jerk. And it also makes him kind of likable because you feel drawn to people that are confident. I I like it so much. I like that the guy starts fighting the dragon, the lamplighter. It it is the surprising yet inevitable. And it's the same thing. You saw him in Act 1 and then there he is in Act 3 fighting the dragon. Yeah, I did that on purpose. Though, though those types of rules that are in place, oftentimes they leak into our subconscious when we're writing. Yeah. The rule of threes, for example, Yep, is one of those things where I always use three examples for most of my story writing. That's not something I think about when we jump into those 15 minute writing exercises, but it's something I use to a degree or it comes out in the story. I've got a theory. A lot of people don't think about this, but the people who are writing for companies like Disney and specifically companies like Pixar know so much writing theory and storytelling theory and their stories are so very, very polished. So even at a young age when we were watching these movies, all of these writing rules were there. And I've said this before, they're very kind of obvious in children's movies, but they're obvious in a very pleasant way. Where if I watch a, a movie now and something happens in it, like in Cars 3, 
and a car is driving in the very first scene they say careful that's an iridium battery batteries blow up and then the last scene with the confrontation with the villain and then the car says wait a minute i have an iridium battery and then it throws it and it blows up and they save the day did that happen in a real film? No, I made that up. Okay, good. I was just making sure because if anyone was listening to that's, that's why I said Cars 3, because Cars 3 is in a real movie. Okay, makes sense. So one of the last things I want to say with your hero is kind of this expectation of the hero in the story. You did the same thing that we do so well, I think, which is saying, what about real life? Sure, the hero's great and fights these dragons, but the hero's got to take a bath sometimes. The hero's got to clean his armor. The hero's got to get tidied up. What happens if trouble strikes when that's happening? You never really see the heroes in their downtime ever. Yeah. You don't see Iron Man sitting at home watching television. I think the reason that we don't see those things is because it's boring. Yep. You just need to find a way to not make it boring. Exactly. Which hopefully we've done. I think so. Yeah. Your kitchen was very lively. Oh, man, you can write a story about the wonders of a magical kitchen setting. Yeah. That would be really fun. Like, the the, the sous chef is just a, a ladle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that floats that around. <laughs> they walk in. So the main character walks into the kitchen and someone says, wait here for the head chef. And then subconsciously in his mind he's making comments about this dirty old cutting board in the side to the side of the kitchen and then it turns out the dirty old cutting board is the head chef <laughs> what are you talking about it's like waddling around with his little wooden legs there's so much there and maybe we should revisit the fantasy kitchen someday adam and that is all the time we have this week if any of you guys think we could have done anything differently with these stories let us know We tweet at The Rules Podcast, and if you had any ideas about where you think the story should have gone, tweet us your ideas. Another way you can reach us is on our Facebook page. We're on there under The Rules Podcast. If you haven't liked our page yet, go and like it and write Story Me on our timeline, and we, within two business days, will write you a 100-word or less story. And finally, one last thing, something that's a huge help to us is if you give us a review on iTunes. If you haven't already done it, we would love if you would go and just give your honest feedback on what you think of the show. We'd like to thank Captain3, Zelda is a Penguin, and Jenna Noor, who have already given us a review on there. Zelda is a Penguin said that we were almost as good as Zelda, which isn't that bad. We were a runner-up to a world-famous video game, so I'm more than happy with that. Thank you to everyone who has already given us a review. Dave Kiney is our show strategist, assistant producer, and a real hero. This episode was produced by me, Adam Ganong. And co-produced by me, Philip Hall. Music was all done by Fur the Dragon, who is a part-time minstrel. He's very good. He's beautiful. And he's a great chef. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, everybody. And we hope you guys like these stories as much as we did. We sincerely do.